1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning verse 16. Paul says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And under the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak I became, uh, became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Now bow your heads briefly with me for prayer. Father God, this morning, just once again, we want to recognize you. We want to recognize that this is your day and we are your people and this is your word. And so we ask that you would add your blessing to it and guide and superintend our time together today. Thank you through Jesus and amen. I'd like to speak today under the title of To Save Some. This is one of the passages that I think absolutely bears for us. We can see the heart of the Apostle as he is writing. He tells us what are his motivations. He tells us why he thinks the way he thinks, why he speaks the way he speaks, why he acts the way he acts. And for us this morning, I say, this is an example to us. I love that at the ending. Verse 22, that I might by all means save some. Every week. In fact, uh, unless we skip a Wednesday for one reason or another, multiple times a week, it is said within the confines of this building, uh, with, within our meeting, someone will mention, we need to pray for our lost. Someone will say, I have lost in my family. Bless you for always saying those things. Those are right and good and godly things. And the day that we lose sight of that as our responsibility, as our purpose here, is the day we have ceased becoming a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. To save some. We'd love to save all. But that's not up to us. So this is the right way to think. Paul gives us the example. We're going to walk through this and there's going to be some applications for us. And quite honestly, uh, this text, uh, if it doesn't hit you this morning, either I'm messing it up or your uh, ears are closed to me or your heart is closed to God, this hits everybody. All of us can improve in some of these ways. All of us need to uh, look back over our attitudes and our thoughts and our actions. We all need to do all that we can. That's exactly what he's saying. I do all that I can so that some might be saved. 
So if the message today is to save some, and that ought to be all of our hearts, then this is for everybody. Everybody. Not you or me or some, but everybody. So let's, let's get into it. Uh, this, this sort of cuts in the middle of a longer section. Paul, previously in this chapter, was talking about uh, his right. In fact, that's uh, sort of where we pick it up. Uh, about uh, gaining material things uh, for his ministry. And, and I'm not going to, that's not the point today. I'm not going to preach to you about supporting you, support me. We support missionaries. We should do that. Uh, those will be messages and lessons for another day. That's where we pick up his thought. And he sort of has a little bit of it there at the beginning of what we read. Uh, he said he made uh, use of none of these things. In other words, he did not press himself upon them for these things. He worked on his own. He made sure that they didn't have to take care of his needs. Why? See, I would have just clipped this out since it's not the point of the message, but, but it's related. Because the reason that Paul mended tents or did odd jobs or whatever it was that he did uh, to, to fulfill his needs, the reason that he and Barnabas acted the way they acted was because he wanted nothing. And I mean nothing to stand in the way of the gospel. We know in our day and age, it's very easy to see uh, those alleged ministries that are in place for the purpose of increasing the wealth of those members at the top. That's a sad reality today. That's false Christianity. And it's rampant in our nation, and it's spread abroad. It's being exported from false churches in America to ports, uh, points overseas, and it exists overseas already, and it's, it's just awful, it's despicable, we should have nothing of it. And Paul here says, I didn't even take what, what rightly would have been mine. Again, this is showing us why he did what he did. So that it wouldn't be a stumbling block. He didn't want to come across as one of those guys. So lest you think that that's a new problem that we face, Paul dealt with it then. That's how he opened, at the opening of our reading. He said, I have used none of these things, right? He, he, he didn't push those things. He did it so that he could make the offer of the gospel absolutely free. And I guess uh, just before we leave this topic, it should be said, and it's an old uh, adage, if you can pay a man to preach, uh, you can pay him not to, right? We always need to be cautious of this. I made some jokes Wednesday night because of a certain strawberry cake that I could be bought with a price. Um, hopefully, <laughs> I think in context, everybody knew what I was talking about, but we need to be cautious of that. We need to be cautious of who we invite in for uh, guest speaking and revivals or anything else or whatever the future. We need to be cautious of that. The right way is like Paul did it. Look, if that's, if that's going to be an issue, we'll just take that off the table. And you don't have to even provide what you should provide for me, Paul said. Because I don't want anything to get in the way of me spreading the gospel and you coming to faith in Jesus because you need it. Now, money issues are at the heart of many church issues and marriage issues and city issues and state issues. Any kind of, it's, it's a problem for us in the world. And if he's ready to put that out of the way... We ought to be ready to put a whole bunch of things out of the way. Again, this, this is to the heart. This is speaking to the way we ought to be motivated, the way we ought to be thinking about these things, that nothing would get uh, in the way of our teaching and preaching the gospel, that some might be saved. So let's continue on in the text. Let's leave that and go on. 
Paul says some interesting things here, and, and I don't want it to be misunderstood because of the language here. Uh, he talks about uh, the necessity that is laid upon him in verse 16. In fact, he says, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. I say because of scriptural teaching and I say because of uh, experience with myself. The call to a uh, public preaching ministry, the call to be a preacher of the gospel, is more than just a burden. But it is that. Uh, I, I was ignorant perhaps uh, earlier on. We all are. Until we grow and until we learn. And the day that I realized that somebody might profess a calling to preach and it not be from God shocked me. It rocked my world. So I can tell you in my experience, and Sasha could back it up, I didn't want to verbalize it in case I might be wrong because I was so fearful of what a great thing that it was. I don't want to misspeak. So I was shocked when I found out that there are people who profess this calling, uh, but then it turns out not to be the case. And, I, and one of the things that I've since learned to watch for, and, and we can't look into the heart of, of people, but the Bible gives us a fruit that we're to look for, things to make judgments by, some warning signs. And one of them is this. There are sadly those among our churches who profess a calling to teach and to preach, but seem to have no necessity, no urgency about them. I say to you this morning, a man who has said that he has been called to preach, but sits week in and week out without a need to get in front of people to share the gospel, and it doesn't always have to be behind a book board and in a formal way, but if they're not going out teaching the gospel, showing people and reasoning and begging people to turn to Christ, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Perhaps that calling really isn't there, or perhaps there's something else going on that's hindering them. Either way, should we ever find that amongst us? We need to be in deep prayer. We need to be uh, having some discussions. And as I look out over the room, a bunch of young men here. Some of you may be called to preach. I pray to God that that's true. I don't know who it's going to be. But I'm going to tell you, when that comes upon you, there will be a necessity for you to preach. Paul says, woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. How pitiful would it be for a child of God to be given a holy calling and then ignore it. How, how out of joint, how inconsistent it should be to receive such a great gift from God. And it is a gift. And then to ignore it. Well, let me widen the scope, if I may, uh, at, uh, hope that it's not uh, pushing on the text too much. Beyond the call to preach, what about the call of every Christian to be a witness for Christ? How inconsistent, how pitiful a state of affairs it is when we as God's people who have been given the greatest gift of forgiveness of sins, of liberty in Christ Jesus, of everlasting life, and we don't seek to share it. 
Now, Paul was speaking very specifically about his case, and I can speak very specifically about uh, the case of being called to preach, but I want to say there's application broadly for all of us. Every one of us who possesses the gift of salvation ought to be seeking to share that with others. I've heard it uh, described before as uh, one beggar telling another beggar where he can find some bread. I think that's, that's accurate. Who is it that doesn't need the salvation of Jesus? No one. Or positively, everyone needs a Savior and Jesus is the only one. So we're talking about our motivations. We're talking about our choices and our actions and our thoughts that some might be saved. He progresses on in verse 17. Now here's where I want to be careful. Um, I think I've heard some preachers uh, state this in the way that it sounds if you're not careful. Uh, But they missed the point. Paul says, for if I do this thing, and he's talking about preaching the gospel, willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed to me. So what I need to press upon you is what Paul is not saying is, I don't want to preach. That's completely inconsistent with everything else he says here. But if you're not careful, you could read about that when he says, against the will. We could read that better as saying, if this is from my will. right? In other words, at the opening of verse 17, Paul is saying, if this was my idea, then I'll have a reward. Okay? And that phrase, I'll have a reward, it reminds me very much of what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6 when he was talking about those who stand on the street corners and pray loudly so that people heard them. And Jesus said of those people, they have their reward. Right? What did he mean by that? Those, those prayers that they pray so eloquently to impress other people, the only reward they will get is people being impressed and there's nothing eternally uh, coming from those things. That's what Jesus said about uh, that type of praying so that people hear you. Paul says a similar thing here. If this was of my own idea, if I just said, you know what, this is what I want to do, I think I'll be really good at it. I'd have some short-term reward. In other words, people might listen. Maybe he might get a crowd. Maybe he might get a, a big crowd. Maybe he would become famous, but that would be it. It would not be the eternal blessings of sharing and spreading the gospel. That's the right way to read this verse. He said, if this was of my will, uh, I have a reward. But if against my will, and here's where we need to be careful. In other words, if this was not my choosing. So what is Paul saying here? He says, if it was just my choice, then nothing much would come of it. I would have a short-term reward, but nothing eternal. But since it's of God and of His will, since He's the one that called me to this, what does he say? He said a, dispensational, a dispensation of the gospel is committed. In other words, there's a stewardship. He's been uh, given a responsibility. He's been given a gift. He's been given a task and he has to make right use of the task. Again, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 25 when he tells the parable of the talents. About the, the man that was going into a far comp- uh, country. And he gives one man ten talents or sums of money essentially. And one two and one one measure. And the one with ten uh, did all that he could with it and he invested it wisely. And when the man came back, he had a great benefit for him and he rewarded him richly. And the same with the one that was given two measures or two talents. He did what he could with it. He made the best for his master. And when the master returned, he, he said, enter into the joys that I prepared for you. But what happened to the one? The guy that was only given one talent or one measure, he didn't invest it. He didn't do anything with it. He hid it. 
Jesus came back and said he was a wicked servant. He didn't say enter in. He said depart. Paul says, if this is a calling from God and I'm speaking because I don't know this morning who among our young men uh, or, well, Moses was quite old before he was called. Who among our men will be called to preach or has been? But I tell you, it's a stewardship. It's a responsibility. And you must take care of it. If I widen the scope of this again, I say to our church, family, we've been given a ministry and a responsibility. We've been given a dispensation of the gospel and we must make right use for it. Moving on. I don't want to get too bogged down in some of these points. <coughs> Verse 19 uh, and we'll skip ahead to 22. Verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Alright? And then it's sort of re uh, repeated, but in slightly different words. Uh, the second half of verse 22. I was made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And I said, that's the point of the message this morning. So everything before this, and all the verses in between 19 and 22, uh, feed into this. But this is what Paul was saying. That's why he talked about having responsibility, having a stewardship, and needing to make a right use of that. It's for the purposes of uh, expanding or spreading the gospel. It's for the purposes of seeing loved ones and neighbors and new people people that he might meet come to faith and repentance in Jesus. He became all things to all people to save some. That's where we need to be this morning. This is the great example that's before us. If we want our loved ones saved, we want our co-workers saved, our neighbors, this is what we must look like. So what's the example? He gives us some specifics. Verse 20. Talks about Jews. Talks about those under the law. Those of you who uh, grew up in church, those of you who may be uh, Bible readers, Bible students, you know how much Paul wrote about the fact that we are no longer under that old Mosaic law, how that we are freed from that in Christ. Yet he says, for the sake of those who are still living under that law, for the sake of those who were still living in that Old Testament context. For the sake of those who still felt bound to it. Yet, what did he do? He said, I became as a Jew. As under the law. The one man who God used so specifically and so clearly to speak about uh, the, uh, the freedoms in Christ and the, the, the unnecessary nature of those things that the old covenant had passed away, that Jesus had fulfilled those things. Yet he was the one. He was the one who said, you know what though? So that some of them might be saved. I became as a Jew. He altered his, his actions, his choices, his words at certain times that he might be able to reach them that they might be saved. He goes on and he says, past that, verse 21, to them that are without the law, all right? To those uh, who are, were Gentiles, to those who did not have the upbringing and the training in the, the Bible that he had had. He said, you know what? They had completely different uh, ways of living, completely different ways of thinking. And you know what he did for those people? He became as one of those. 
Verse 22, to the weak. And what he means here uh, is those who are weak of conscience, those who are babes in Christ, we might say, weak in the faith. They didn't understand all the freedoms they had. They didn't understand uh, what uh, all the gifts of Christ were. And he says, I became as one of the weak. Now, a few questions ought to pop up in our minds when we see Paul saying these things. One is, what does it mean to become as? What does it mean when he says, I became as one under the law? What does it mean to become as one who is weak? Does that mean that Paul then changed his doctrine and said, uh, now we're going to go back to this? No. God forbid. He never, in fact, we might get to this in a moment, read over in Galatians chapter 2 a little bit where he says, he never once gave in to those who would try to draw him back because you can't go back. What does it mean then that he became as a Jew, became as one who was weak? At least it meant these things. He had an affection for them. He sought to understand where they were so that if at all possible, he could meet them there. He respected the fact that even though they were still slaves to old traditions and old sins, yet he knew that they could be freed if he would just reach out to them. It in no wise meant that, that he would uh, in any way contradict the gospel or, or shrink back from declaring the fullness of Christ. But do you remember uh, in 1 Corinthians 8 and in Romans chapter 14 both, he said, I would just not eat meat. If that was the stumbling block. Isn't that exactly how he opened up the reading today back up in verse 15 and reading before that in the chapter? If money's going to be an issue, let's take that out of the way. If eating certain things in front of you is going to be an issue, I'm not eating those things. What was he doing? He was loving them. He wasn't shrinking back from the gospel. When he says he became as one, he came alongside them. He didn't wait for them to reach where he was because he knew that was impossible without someone first reaching out to them. So that's what he did. He sought to understand them. He sought to respect where they were. He had a knowledge and an understanding and he had patience with them and he reached out to them with them because of love. Now, the other question that might pop up in your mind, if you're uh, very familiar with the scriptures, comes from Galatians 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. Galatians chapter 2. I'll begin reading verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him face to face, or to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all. So this is in front of other people. He said, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? So here's the dilemma that we have. He confronted Peter and said he was, by the way, uh, that word uh, in verse 13, dissembled and dissimulation, it means hypocrisy. 
So the Apostle Paul, in front of other people, uh, confronted Peter and said, you're being a hypocrite because when the, the people from uh, Jerusalem are not around, you eat with the Gentiles, and then when they come around, you don't act like that. So is Paul being duplicitous? No. Remember what I said this morning was great about this text in 1 Corinthians 9? It showed us not only the actions, but the motivations that he had. That's the difference. The reason that he opposed Peter was not because he felt freedom to eat with Gentiles and then changed to try to please the Jews. The, the problem was that he did it out of fear. The problem was that he did it not for the sake of the gospel. He did it because he didn't want his name to be marred. He said he was being a hypocrite. So he was saying one thing to one group and another thing to another group. So how do we bring that back into what Paul said? To become as a Jew, to become as one week. Let me give you... A, a small illustration that I think applies. I used to have a co-worker who professed to be a believer in Christ. And part of his religious heritage, his religious understanding, was that you could not, should not eat pork because it was a sin. There are those who believe this. So when we ate together, guess who didn't get the barbecue ribs? But when we were in the office... I extolled him not only the great benefits of barbecue ribs, but I reasoned with him from the word. This is why that view is inconsistent. This is why you can choose not to eat if you want, but don't say that it's a sin or that the Bible prohib prohibits it. What was, what's the difference? It's not saying one thing to one group and one thing to another group. It's not uh, going out of our way to offend people. It's uh, reaching them where they are, but the whole time trying to pull them to where they should be. In every instance, we read so many times about how Paul went into the synagogues and taught and reasoned with them and tried to show them this Bible that you're reading speaks about Christ. You must see this. This is the one that the prophets foresaw. You must see this. He did that every time. But he gave them nothing to be offended about except the gospel itself. You see, that's the difference. We can't be two-faced. We can't say one thing to one group and one thing to another. But you know what we can do? Is we can bridle our own liberties so as not to offend people before we have the chance to speak to them. We can go out of our way to make people feel welcomed to come and hear the message. To be welcomed into our homes to hear about the grace of God and never once shrink back from that great gospel telling all about Jesus. You know what's really underlying all of this? Can you think about the example for a moment that Jesus set? And think how that directly applies to what Paul said. Jesus had right to be treated as royalty to demand everything and anything that he wanted. How much do we read in the Gospels of Jesus demanding comforts, demanding tributes? Or rather, how much do we see Jesus eating with sinners? Not participating in their sin, not endorsing their sin, but eating with them, speaking with them. And even when the religious crowds tried to uh, slander him and said that he was a drunkard. and No. You know why they said that though? Because he spoke with people who were. 
He tried to reach out with them where they were and say, come this way. Don't stay in your sin. People today have this line about God loves me just the way I am. Well, we have a better line and it's more biblical. And it's that God loves you enough not to leave you where you are. That's what Paul was talking about. That's why he could become, as he says it, as a Jew, as one under the law, or as one not under the law, or as one who is weak, because he went out of his way knowing that that's exactly what Christ Jesus has done for all of us. We're just following the example of Jesus when we do this. So, how do we bring this to application? Well, if we look at each of the groups that Paul mentions, I think we can uh, sort of uh, show Uh, some things for our lives today. So he speaks first about the Jews, for those under the law. The application uh, for that for us today is to think about, brother and sister, think about those in your life who are still under the slavery of some sin or some tradition for which you have been freed, from which you have been freed. It's our part to respect their position, to understand that when people disagree, when people haven't yet matured to where we are, when people haven't been enlightened, they're trapped by their understanding. They're trapped by what they've always been taught, and we must come along beside them and lovingly try to show them that that's not what it is. Some of you, some of you have a similar experience to myself in that there was a time in your life when you went away, away from the church, away from Christian living, away from anything resembling what we would call holy and righteous living. And if you share that experience with me, then I hope you share some of the same lessons that I had from that, and that is that I have no right or no place to condemn or think myself among any other, but rather a desire to go to those people and say it doesn't have to be that way. There are people living around us in our families, co-workers, in our neighborhoods who really think that they cannot be rescued from where they are. But brother and sister, we've been freed. So what we can do and what we ought to do is go along beside them and say, yes, you can. Come back. Come meet Jesus. It doesn't matter what you're shackled under. He can free you. I think when Paul talks about becoming as a Jew, we need to think about those things. We have brothers and sisters in other churches and other types of churches who are bound by their traditions. And we have the opportunity to come alongside them and say, God bless you for loving the Lord, but you don't have to be bound by these things any longer. We have a lot of opportunity among our people with this. What about the second group? Paul talked about those under the law. Then he talked about those who were not under the law. Think about this, that uh, Paul was raised a Pharisee, a Jew. So for him to become the apostle to the Gentiles, as he was called, what did he have to do? He had to learn all kinds of things. This morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, when we think about the group, those outside the law, and Paul said, I became as one of them, I want you to think about those people you come in contact with who were not raised the way we were. And I, just, I don't mean just outside missionary Baptistism or outside Baptistism. I mean as far out, whoever it is that's in your life. You know why they're in your life? If you're a child of God, you know why you're in their life? To become as one of them. To reach out and try to understand them. I heard 
a terrible example. Late 2001, early 2002, sometime or another, there were some uh, audio CDs and tapes who were being passed around of this uh, preacher, Baptist preacher, professed the same thing that we professed. But he was not preaching the love of Christ. And he was not seeking to understand those who were outside. He said of the Muslims, he said, all I need to know about Islam is two holes in New York City. God forbid that we would ever have that approach. What did Paul say? He said, for those that were outside, those that grew up who had completely different traditions, completely different understandings, I became as one of them. I tried to learn and understand the way that they thought and why they acted so that I might be able to reach them with the gospel. Let there never, never, never be a group, whether it be regardless what lines, whether it be societal, whether it be racial, whether it be monetary, let there never be a group that we would look at uh, with hatred and without the love of Christ trying to reach out to them that some might be saved. We have to try to understand. We have to enter into dialogue. We have to meet them where they are. And if they're outside of Christ, that may be a stretch. But God will go with you. That's exactly what Paul did. In one place, uh, he was in prison and he said half of uh, Caesar's house, the servants, were brothers and sisters in Christ. You think that wasn't a stretch? You think that wasn't outside of his uh, proper upbringing in Judaism? We need to never stop seeking to win people to Christ. One more thing. He talked about the Jews, those under the law. He talked about those outside the law. And then he said, the weak. To the weak became I as weak. This is sort of uh, similar to the others, but wherever you are in your walk with Christ, you're not where you were. But you have a ways to go. All of us do. So for those who may be babes in Christ, who maybe don't understand things the way that we do, we've, we, we've progressed further than they have. We cannot lord over them. We cannot ridicule them. What do we need to do? Just like we talked about the, those under the law, just like those after the law. We try to meet them where they are. We try to bring them further along and recognize that we need to be looking for somebody else to try to help us further as well. What was Paul's motivation? What was his reason for doing these things? Why did he go to such great lengths? Why did he go outside of his way? Why did he go the extra mile? Whatever phrase you want to do. Why did he do that? I became, or I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. My prayer this morning is that we would always have the mind of Christ and we would be unified in this. Let us never compromise on the gospel. Let us never shrink back from declaring what we know to be true. But in every way, let us go out of our way. Let us become as a Jew if necessary. Let us become as one without the law if necessary. Let us become as one who is weak. Let's do all that we can do that we might save some. Will you bury your heads with me this morning? Father God, this morning we just thank you so much for the blessings of the gospel and forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And God, I pray this morning 
that you would seek out in our own hearts and minds our prejudices or, or, or our wrong thoughts and keep us mindful of what we have been given as a gift. Help us, God, to reach out to everyone in our lives that some may be saved. Forgive us our sins. Draw us in this way through the holy name of Jesus, we pray. And amen.